morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you use our area code, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing folks all around the country and all around the town. That's it. You give us a call. We're glad to try to discuss anything that might be on your mind. Automotive related. Automotive related. <laughs> hey, I'll discuss anything on your mind anyway. <laughs> yeah, especially anything automotive related. Dave. There you go. We were talking a little bit last week about buying a used car, and we got a bunch of bunch of calls towards right. the end of the show. We didn't get time to really finish that, and I want to kind of just kind of recap and, and finish that for the folks who did not hear what they wanted to hear, uh-huh. or as much as they needed to hear. We advocate if you're going to buy a used car. Certainly, your budget is going to determine how old and a vehicle. probably how many miles a vehicle is going to have. And one of the primary vehicles, I think, is a three-year-old vehicle. Right, because at three years, it's pretty much reached its maximum depreciation. Right. The big, big numbers come off in the first three years. And the other advantage to a three-year vehicle is it really doesn't require a tremendous amount of maintenance as in long, three years. Right. As long as you, they keep the oil changed keep in Keep the oil changed in it. And keep the fluids topped up, you, you're probably going to be in pretty good it's shape. probably not hurt too much. And, you know, if you get a vehicle five, six, seven years old, certainly you're going to buy it cheaper. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to buy it proportionally cheaper. And let's say you've got a vehicle seven years old and never changed the coolant in it. Right. You may have some fairly serious cooling system issues going on let's say they've never changed transmission fluid or whatever you could possibly have a transmission which has been compromised so it's just as it gets more miles and gets older then the risk starts to go up now the exception that would be if you can buy a vehicle with service history so Uh you know what's been done to it for instance whoever you buy it from hands you the record say okay here's what's been done you review that and say well yeah it's been well maintained well sure it doesn't really matter that much Now, another big thing, I think, is that as cars get, newer cars get older, most of the newer cars, and when I say newer, everything from probably 08 up, and the later they come, the more so, this is a fact, when they get to about 125,000 miles, that's pretty much the service life of them. Right. And it's not that they couldn't be kept going longer than that, but the cost of keeping those cars is far, far out of line than the cars we were accustomed to in the past. For instance, you might have had a 98 Suburban with 350,000, miles on it. And that's great. The cost of doing that was fairly reasonable. But if you've got a 2014, don't expect to, to get, get that, that kind of miles out of it. Right. Because it's loaded with accessories, modules, and stuff that costs an inordinate amount of money it's just, when it it's, starts to break. It's more technically advanced than a 98 Suburban was. By far. By far. And when just something like that little backup camera, which I know is very, very cool, but when it goes out and now you got a big error message across the screen of your dash and you can't see anything because of that. And not only that, it may take the network down. It may take network and down. And if the network goes down, then the car quits running. That's right. And it may be $3,000 for that one little repair. That's and right. that's not an isolated incident. That is more of the norm than something that's just, oh, my God, look at this. Another thing is, as they discontinue parts on this, a lot of the high-end modules and stuff have to be programmed to the car which means used parts will not work right it's so, not like that 98 you could take the computer out of one and have go, it go to a salvage yard if you had to put it in another one or have and, a rebuild or fix the other one or right. something like that these newer that ones is no longer an option on most of the newer ones and when they discontinue those parts 
it would be like having a IBM Model 34 mini computer. Even if you could find something to keep it going. What was that? <laughs> you couldn't do anything with it. That, exactly. That's exactly right. You know, there's just yeah. no way you can do anything with it. You can't keep it going because you can't get the components that you would need to repair it. Uh-huh. And we're running into that quite a bit now because some of the companies like Ford, is di- they're discontinuing parts after six years. Wow. And so in some cases, you can still get a salvage part. In some cases, you could take a part off something else, make it work. In depending, some cases, there's an aftermarket replacement. Depending uh, on the part. Depending on the part. But in many cases, it's just not much you can do. Sort of like a Corvette has always been a technologically advanced car. Uh-huh. It was more, more advanced than the other GM products right. you might have seen. And we see that a lot with Corvettes when they'll come in and maybe they're 10 years old and a certain module has gone out. And it's just not available any longer. Right. You just can't get it. New, used, nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not out there. In fact, we had a, a hum or two in the shop last couple of weeks. Right. It was a flood vehicle. And we were able to get all of the modules except the airbag module. Okay. And it did go underwater, but at this moment, it's, it's working. Right. But I, of course, called GM to see if it was available. It's not available. I went online. No one rebuilds it. Went to the salvage yards, not available. Mm-hmm. And if you look online, you will see about 10,000 people complaining Looking. and wanting this particular module. Right. And this one, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but it only fit that one-year model. Wow. It might have been an 05 and it only fit an 05. No kidding. Now, the one for an 06 or an 07 is not going to fit it. And well, it, it won't work. Right, it yeah, won't work. It will not work. It's programmed specifically to that one vehicle. So you got a very, very narrow market. So no one is very likely to ever come up with any kind of replacement because it's just not a big enough market. Mm, it's not feasible enough to, right. to build. So for now, you know, he's, he's okay. But And fortunately, because it's an airbag module, technically you could go without airbags. You know, we drove cars without airbags for 75 years. Right. Use your seatbelt. But if it were, say, a power control module or a body control module where it would not operate without it, Right. Now you got you a got much, a, much bigger issue. You got a three ton paperweight. Well, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and so we kind of went the long way around the tree there, but what we're getting to is you're you're looking for probably around a three year old car. Now, another big misconception, and this is a way that you can really save a lot of money, is that for some reason people tend to look at miles more than they look at years. Right. And that's a real, real major mistake. The years are far more important than the miles when it comes to the condition of the vehicle. For instance, the classic little old lady's car. This is a car that's been sitting somewhere, and maybe it's 10 years old and only has 20,000 miles on it. And everybody's, oh, my God, this is a man, a cream puff. I want that. That car is going to be so deplorable in shape because it's sat. It hasn't been run. It's going to be gummed up. It's going to be rusted up internally. All the hydraulics are going to be leaking. That's a car you probably can't even fix. Sure. So you do not want that. Now, the other side of the coin, the polar opposite would be, say, a one-year-old car with 50,000 miles on it. I wouldn't be afraid of that one at all. Not at all. That would be the car I'm looking for. Right. Or even a three-year-old car with 100,000 miles on it wouldn't really bother me a whole lot. Just because, particularly if it's a known good car. For instance, let's say we've got a Toyota Camry one year old with with 100,000 miles. They have a pretty good history of yeah. being a, a decent car to begin with. And what this means is that that car has been driven a lot. Right. And which, that's what cars like. Oh yeah, cars they like to be driven. Cars love that. Every car that I have ever seen 
come in the shop that had 300 plus thousand miles on it was generally a car that had been driven long distances, right. a couple of hundred miles a day sort of thing up to 500 miles a day. Mm-hmm. I remember a friend of mine was a salesman and he had a, he lived in Lafayette, right. but his territory went all the way from Dallas, Texas to I think Jackson, Mississippi, and then all the way down to new Orleans. So he would get in his vehicle and drive 500 miles at a time on a regular basis. In fact, it was nothing for him to drive to Dallas in the morning, do business and come back that evening and put a thousand miles in one day right. on his vehicle. Vehicle had 500,000 miles on it and still rolling good. Sure. It was just fine because cars love that. That's ideal conditions. Mm -hmm. So what you're looking for, if you have to try to save money, there's two ways to do it. One is buying an older vehicle. Two is buying a vehicle with more miles. Right. And because the market really hadn't caught on to this yet, at this time, if you pick a higher mileage vehicle, you can save a good deal of money. Because if you ever look on, like, kelly blue book or edmonds or any of those they always list the vehicle mileage and that is one of the that things is a big determination right. of the value of the automobile if they determine between twelve thousand miles a year is what they consider normal mm-hmm. if it's got a lot more than twelve thousand miles per year they deduct value for that right and in my opinion that's just an excellent way to try to save money so what you're looking for is the newest vehicle you could afford in years but the miles are not nearly as important and again low years low miles is even better right but if you have to save money go ahead and go towards the higher miles you know pick a vehicle with say three years sixty thousand miles on it instead of thirty thousand instead of a five-year-old one with thirty thousand miles it's just as a general rule it's going to be a better vehicle and any vehicle you're debating on buying have it checked by a professional well that's exactly right and if the people that you're buying the vehicle from are reluctant about letting you do that, it might be time just to go. Find yeah, it's time one. to just wave on that one and move right. on. And I understand some people don't want to just hand you the keys, say, yeah, go get it checked. Sure. But they can bring it in sure. and have it checked. You make the appointment, they bring it in. You pay it for it. If right. It's a valuable car, and there you go. Hey, take our first quick little break and be right back with more on the automotive hour. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at ATCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at ATCO Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. We certainly appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? It's 291 6901. And should you happen not to make the cut today? That's right. Or you think of something after we go off the air or even next week at midnight. You can always get your questions answered any time of the day or night. 
just by visiting our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. There you go. And there's also a search bar at the top of the site, which will do a pretty thorough search of that site. A lot of what you may want to ask has probably already been answered, and I don't mind answering it for you again. However, many, many, many times I say, well, if you'd search such, such, uh-huh. you can find a deep. It's just more than I can sit down and type out because some of those articles might go a thousand words on a specific topic. Correct. And if you want to know, for instance, what is viscosity? of oil all about what does that mean well i'm not gonna sit there and write another thesis on it and say right. to you because it's already just, on the site just, just click you a little link to it right and type the word viscosity and it's gonna bring up all the information you might want to know guy had asked me earlier this week about alignment does he need to get alignment because he's getting new tires uh-huh. and of course there's probably three or four articles on the site now that go into that and that also brings up another point i received this email from the gentleman i returned replied to it and it popped back to me oh and then about Three or four days later, I got another one and then another one. Uh And if you keep getting your email back, or excuse me, if you don't get a response from me, check the email address. Now, if that address is correct and you still hadn't gotten an answer from me, try a different email address. Right. Because I know some things like Gmail, some of those, it'll just scan it out for some reason. I don't know why. It seems like I get a lot of Gmail stuff back. But I never... I never just neglect a person's email. I always answer every email. So uh-huh. if you haven't got an answer from me, try a different email address and see if that will go through for or you. Maybe check the spam folders. Check your spam folders or whatever, because a lot of people have set spam settings. Right. And when that comes in from a commercial server, and what the net will do is it'll look and says, okay, a lot of emails going out from this one server. Uh-huh. It might be spam. Right. So, so if you got it- your settings at the highest rating or one of the higher ratings, it's likely going to just throw it into a junk folder. It's not going to deliver it to you. Right. So that's one reason I keep mine at a low setting and I have to manually go in and delete a lot of stuff. Right. But it's just worth it because I don't want to miss something that I might have wanted to see. So Anyway, just a tip there. If you hadn't gotten an answer back from me within a reasonable amount of time, that being normally 24 hours, likely either the email address is typed wrong or it's an address I just can't reply to. Right. All it takes is one little character out of place, mm-hmm. and that, that that address comes back. There you go. So anyway, if you don't get one, go ahead and try maybe a different email address or be sure you type it in correctly because I will get an answer back to you. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about used cars and such as that and particularly used car inspections. Right. And a lot of times people will ask, well, what do you check on a used car inspection? And anyone who could answer that question with a direct answer, I would not trust to do a used car inspection. It's sort of like a person who can quote you a price without seeing your car. Right. If a man's willing to give you a price for you seeing your car, that's not anybody who can fix your car. I'm going to tell you right now. Mm -hmm. So no use even going there. Same thing with a used car inspection because there is no one thing I'm going to check. I am going to check certain things which are going to lead me in a direction which is going to be more things I'm going to check because of that. Right. For instance, when I test drive the car, if it drives perfectly well, shifts smoothly, and I check the codes and there are no codes in memory and all the readiness tests are complete, I'm probably not going to waste a lot of time checking the automatic transmission. Sure. Because on any kind of a late model car, if there were a malfunction, number one, you'd feel it in the test drive. Number two, it would set a code. And as long as the codes are all cleared and they're all IM tests are complete. Which is the readiness test. Right. Then 
I'm going to spend my time checking other things that are more important to you. Right. Now, if I drive it and it slams in the first gear and I pull a code and it's got a PO 740 code or 1798 or whatever, some transmission related code, then I'm probably not going to go any further checking the brakes and all that stuff until I find out what's going on there. Right. Because next thing I'm going to pull a dipstick. If the dipstick is black as tar, well, you know, it smells burnt. You know, that trans is just yeah, about had it. Do we really need to spend a lot more of your money checking this car? Because transmissions are generally in the two to $3,000 range somewhere, and that's a landmine that you could sidestep. Sure. So I'm going to probably stop at that point and call you. And I've had people tell me, well, yeah, I knew the transmission was fixing to go out, but I'm getting a good enough deal. Okay, well, fine. Then I'll check further. Sure. Same token. Let's say we drive the car and we hit the brakes and it dives in the left lane. Well, I'm immediately going to start checking the brakes, suspension, and all that. If it drives perfectly straight, the steering wheel's centered, it brakes perfectly straight, well, I'm going to check the condition of the brakes. I'm going to look look sure. through the wheels to pull off, but I'm not going to go as in-depth in that. Looking for the problem. Because no problem is indicated, and time is money. Sure. So I don't want to involve an hour and a half's time or an hour time checking brakes when there's no problem indicated. I would rather spend that time on other things that are going to be more fruitful. And that's, I think, the way anyone who does a used car inspection would do it. I would imagine I had right. worked in any other shop, so I don't know. But <laughs> you, what you want to do is you're looking for a reason for the person not, not to buy the car. That's right. And usually, the worse the car, the less time it takes to check one. Well, yeah, a really so, bad car is not going to take very long to determine right. that. Right. We're going to find that real quick, probably under half an hour. Yeah, maybe 15 minutes. Now, I may. Now, on the flip side, the better the car is, the longer it's going to take to go through That's right. It. Maybe up to a full hour. Because if I see no problems indicated, I'm going to check more and more things, and sure. I'm going to check each thing more carefully because I've got a certain amount of time. We try to keep it to an hour. That's a general inspection on the used car is about an hour. Uh-huh. That's where the car is in pretty good shape, and I don't see anything to stop me before right. that. Right. But that keeps the price reasonable to where the average person can afford it and still gives you a good measure. Now, could you spend two hours and check more things? Yes, you could, but you get to a cost price deviation there uh-huh. where the cost keeps going up, 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 but the benefit to the customer does yeah. not increase. Right. So you have to assume a certain amount of risk to save a whole lot of money. Sure. Because to get that extra 1%, you might spend five times as much. And that 1% is not very likely to hurt you. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is knock out the big items first and then go, go from, from, there. from there. Let's go to our phone lines with. Elizabeth, good morning, Elizabeth. Hey, Dad. Hey. So I have a flat tire, and I'm trying to change it, and I don't know how to put the jack under. Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know how to get the spare tire out. Now, let's see. You've been the daughter of an auto mechanic for 30 years. <laughs> you, you've seen tires come on and off vehicles always, your whole life. And, and here you are calling <laughs> to try to change a flat. <laughs> look in your owner's manual baby they'll have a, yeah. a diagram there's gonna be a little notch on the side of the car kind of under the door yeah. and that's where you put the jack is in that little notch i see it okay okay and you put it in there and you just crank it up and uh-huh. what you want to do is loosen you know pick it up slightly with the wheel still on the ground and loosen the uh-huh. lug nuts like that because okay. once you get the car in the air it's not as stable you can't be pulling as hard on those lug nuts make sure it's in okay. park make in sure park the with the emergency brake on parking brake set right oh hold on let me get the parking brake on okay mm-hmm and just counterclockwise on the lug nuts. Righty tighty, righty tighty, lefty loosey. Got that. <laughs> All right. Now the spare tire that's in the trunk, it's got a thing on top of it holding it down. I can't unscrew that. 
Mm. You may just have to get something and bump it. Yeah. Just, that little big it's, plastic nut like on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, just it's just tight. Yeah. They they get stuck like that. So I just get something and bump it. It'll come loose. Like, like tap it sideways. Like yeah, it just unscrews just the same unscrew way, it. counterclockwise. <laughs> okay. All right. All righty. Think I can do this. All right, baby. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thank All you. Right, bye. 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 All right, 291-6901 is the number. You want to be part of the automotive hour? We would love to have you. And I don't think she doesn't have lock, locks on hers, does she? No. Yeah. No, we made, we made sure of that. Yeah, we, we took those off. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to the phone line with Joey. Good morning, Joey. Hey, all right, Lewis. Thank you all for taking the call. You bet. Sure. I got three different car questions okay. for you. Let's, right. let's start with the easy one. Okay. I got a 2016 Chrysler Town & Country. Mm-hmm. Bought it, a program car from Enterprise. And I, when I did the first oil change, I'd switched over from the conventional 5W20 to the Mobile One. Okay. And I'm buying the Mopar, you know, cartridge filter. Okay. And I was, I went 6,000 on my first oil change, and I'm wondering if I should just change the filter at three and just top off the top off the oil or just stick with the six. Uh, the she, filter. She drives it. Yeah. Combination of city highway. How many miles is her average trip? I mean, when she gets in a car, how long does she normally go before she turns it off? Like, oh, about 20 to 25 miles. Okay, so good distance. Yeah. She doesn't make like three, four, or five-mile trips. Uh-uh. Real, real, oh, yeah. Well, maybe on a weekend. Yeah, well, I mean, if your average trip is 20 miles, you could probably go 6,000 on the oil and on the filter. I mean, that filter is going to pretty much take out all the liquid contaminants. I have not ever had trouble with the filters plugging up or anything on them. I mean, yeah, if you told me, curious. yeah, if you told me this engine was old and kind of sludged up, oh yeah, yeah, you know. But I mean, how many miles does it have on it? Uh, well, now it's thirty. Yeah, I mean, at thirty k, I can't imagine. And I gotta say, I've seen several people buy cars from Enterprise. They seem to take care of those cars pretty well. I know Brian's got I've a couple got, of them. I've had two. Still driving one of them's got one hundred and fifty thousand miles on it. Yeah, so yeah, they generally maintain them pretty yeah. well. I mean, if you had a car been neglected yeah. or it had some sludge buildup, you might want to swap right. that filter out. Right. Okay, that's right. good on that one. All right, now we switch into, uh, I got a uh, friend of mine has a 1981 Camaro Z28, mm-hmm. small block, 350. It's, it's the original motor block. The only changes we made on it is we went with the serpentine belt kit. Okay. It comes with, you know, the new mm-hmm. uh, new water pump. Right. He put a new a new brass radiator in it, thermostat, et cetera, new mm-hmm. hoses. And typically on the interstate around 6570, because it's a three-speed, you know, the Turbo 350 mm-hmm. standard, tra- the, right. the automatic came with it. And we've changed transmission fluid on it to uh, around 6570. He's used two or three different water temperature gauges, mm-hmm. and they're all consistently reading around 205. And he, he thinks mm-hmm. that's too hot, so we put a 180 thermostat in it. I think it was a 180. Yeah. I don't think it was a 190. What typically... Well, it should have a uh, should have a 195 in there, and 205 is not oh, okay. too hot for that engine, particularly if you're taking your reading on the cylinder head. Yeah, it depends a okay. lot on the original cylinder unit on that, and I think was in the intake manifold, which will give you a slightly lower temperature. If you screwed the cylinder unit into the cylinder head, 205 would not uh, be too hot at all. Okay, uh, I don't know where Really better, better a little warm than too cold, because if it's cold, yeah, yeah. it's going to start sludging things up and all that. Okay. And I tell you, if, if you could hold on, Joey, i got to take a break. And if oh, you yeah. hold through the break, I'll catch your third question. All yeah, right, no we're, we're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Phew, I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was... 
All right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you're joining us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. And just before the break, we were talking to Joey. And Joey, yeah, that temperature will vary depending on where you take the reading. For instance, if you take it in the near the thermostat housing, it'll generally be fairly close to thermostat temperature. Taking a cylinder head is going to be slightly higher. If you were to screw one of the block plugs out and screw it at the bottom of the motor, you'd notice it a lot cooler than that. So you know, okay, the yeah. water doesn't really flow through a small block. Okay. It just it kind of sits in the block part and flows through the heads. And so, you know, and like I said, the fire's in the head, so that's where you hire temperature. Sure. I wouldn't be concerned about 205. That's that's pretty close okay. to normal. Third question, and now we're going back in time now. I got a 68 okay. Mustang mm-hmm. convertible. This is a, a one-owner car. It was, in fact, it was my mother-in-law's car. She got it brand new. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. it needs everything from, you know, complete brakes, everything. I, 32 right. years ago when my wife and I were dating, I used to do the work on the mm-hmm. car myself. So... It's every component in the brake system is going to need to be replaced, okay. et cetera. Now, the last time the engine ran was 1983. Wow. So it's got no fuel tank, to, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. Right. I'm thinking that before, because I'm going to spend some money on this car to get it restored. To, mm-hmm. I'm going to do all the work pretty much myself. Mm-hmm. All right. I've been doing it my whole life. Anyway, before I spend any effort, on the engine and transmission, I'm thinking what I want to do is go ahead and pull it and just overhaul everything anyway because there, there's been no water in, no fluid in it for almost 20 years. Yeah, it drained okay. all the mm-hmm. the water out and it's got engine oil in it. And anyway, I'm just figuring it's going to be gummed yeah, it's up. It's going to be gummed right? up, rusted up, you, possibly yeah. even seized. You know, you would be surprised. That little 289, it is a 289, yeah. right? It is a 289 yeah. two barrel, right? That little motor, that little C code motor was. Some kind of tough. Yeah, and you might get I've, by just honing it out you know, and, and putting rings well, in it. I've got one. That's, yeah, I won't. Right. I got yeah, one. I won't know until I pull the, pull the head. Right. Got, and on the head, now, a quick question on that. Since it's a 68, and that was before they went to unleaded fuel, and the heads were never rebuilt, I probably should pull the heads at the minimum and have the heads rebuilt for unleaded fuel, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay, they, they'll put a different valve guide in, maybe right. some different seats in it, but that's yeah. relatively yeah. inexpensive. Right. I tell you what, I would yeah, probably, and I'll you know, on that car, bad. I think you can find most of the parts available aftermarket. I think you can buy everything but the firewall. Well, I take that back. You can buy the whole entire body. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. being reproduced. So right. parts, parts yeah, for that that's car, not a problem. you've got to find the right parts for that car. Yeah, you want good stuff the because there's parts some, oh, don't yeah. fit. Yeah, there's some Chinese junk out there. Yeah, that, it just don't fit. Uh, yeah. Nah, Find nah, you a nah, good good supply though, and you know they, yeah, they got some good stuff out there too. What's the undercarriage look like? The undercarriage is not bad. It, I was leery of it because it's it was it was in a garage but a dirt floor. Uh-huh. 
And then they sat it under a live oak with a couple Ooh, of tarps on it yeah. for about 10 years, 15 wow. years. And I yeah, was really leery. But when I got it to the house and I got it up on my lift, mm-hmm. I discovered that the car, at first I thought it was metal flaking off. And I was, oh, my God. It had undercoating on it. Oh, okay. good. That's great. That's good. The only so other problem. I peeled it off, the only floor, other... pans are, uh, floor pans are bad. Right. Yeah. That's no big deal. The only other problem other you may that, run into is the, the cow. Underneath the cow. Yeah. That... I, I looked up. Uh, yeah, but yeah. you got to you got to take the box out, the heater box out, take the vent uh, off the okay. other side, and look up in there real good, because what okay. happens is that trash gets into that cow. The cow was never protected That's with paint, what I heard. and what okay. happens is the water and the trash sitting there, and they block it up and they rust it out. But all I'll that stuff's that available. Yeah, you can all buy that all stuff those parts. is available. Oh, yeah. If you know how to weld and you're kind of handy, you should be able to change all yeah. that out. Yeah, there's 200 yeah, spot welds holding that top piece on. I mean, even if you got to pay somebody to do that part of it, it's not not that big of a deal. All right, I'll do that. Yep. So what I thought about for the engine at the bare minimum is I'd pull the plugs, but I'm going to pull the heads on it anyway. I would. I'll find out what the bores look like, you know, at that point. Yeah. So, all right, well, this will be giving me something for the next That'll keep you off the for years. years. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. All right. Thanks. All, all right. Appreciate all right. it. Bye. 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 All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive iron, I think I just cut Joe off. Uh oh. Uh oh. You pushed the wrong button again. <laughs> I did, man. Well, they both lit up, and I just, I think, pushed, pushed the wrong, wrong one. So, yeah, if you'll yep. call right back, I'll put you straight up to the top of the list there, and you won't have to hold on anymore. There you go. Yeah, we were talking about used cars, used cars inspections, and all that. Now, we tried to keep a used car inspection reasonable. We did. But still, it's somewhere around $95 or so, and I'm sure pretty close the same everywhere else you go. So, you don't necessarily want to have every single card you look at checked because it could cost you a fair amount of money. Sure. So what you do, go to our website and just type in the word checklist. And there's a used car checklist in there that we've developed over the years. These are some things you can check yourself. If and only if it passes all of those, would you bring it in? If it fails many of those, then you know this is probably not a car you want anyway. Right, you start looking for another one. Right, and then there's several other articles in there on how to spot a wrecked car and so on as that yourself. So the more you can do yourself, the more money you can save and having sure. to pay someone else to check it for and you. there's there's millions of good cars out there you just they gotta are find you them. just got to find them all right we're going with the phone lines joe good morning joe hey, hey Lewis, how you doing? doing great man good morning why you talking about old car you know i got that old 70 rt uh-huh old party the purple one mm-hmm. yep. i got a question for you okay what temperature should that car be running i would have to look that one up joe i just don't remember back that far almost everything is around mm-hmm. 195 degrees yeah, i think that it, one they got away from the the 160 five degree stuff probably in the early 60s maybe late 50s because what they found I used to think that well the cooler the better in fact people would take the thermostat out so they'd really run cold but what they found out that was sludging the devil and causing a lot a lot of wear and a hotter engine runs a whole lot more efficiently not only that but your know, heat is horsepower so you want to make a certain amount of heat mm-hmm. so you know i would say Probably has a 195 degree thermostat in it. It ought to run somewhere around 200, between 195 and 205 degrees. That's about what it run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's, that's probably normal for it. I mean, I could look it up if I got any data going back that far and tell you consistently. But I'm sure. Well, that one's not stock either. That's right. Well, it's not not yeah, stock. It's not so stock by a long way. Even if it had a 165 degree in there, when two-tone built that engine he may have elected to go with her 95 right. degree thermostat to protect it mm-hmm. 
think that's what he did. Yeah, yeah more likely did. Almost all the newer stuff is going to be up around 195 to 200 degrees, and and that's certainly not too hot. That's not going to hurt a thing. Where you start having problems when you start getting up to around 230 to 240, and then if oh, you go yeah. much over that, when you start getting yeah. up to 250, 260, things you, start you, coming apart. Yeah, you're you're killing stuff then. Okay, I got a couple other questions. Sure. When I picked the car up, the guy that restored it was running 112 leaded octane in that car. Okay. I've been running 92, and when I get on that car hard, mm-hmm. you can hear the valve. Mm-hmm. Right. So I try not to do that, but I'm thinking about blending some 112 with the 92 octane. I was wondering about what blend should I put in it, three or four gallons? You would just have up. to try it and yeah. see whatever. You know, basically the way they test for octane and octane requirements is they got like a little motor that they can increase the compression ratio and you just keep cranking up until it starts pinging and then they back off a mm-hmm. little bit same thing with that car you just have to put a little bit in there and see what happens and if it quits doing or it gets better maybe put a little bit more and what you try and do is get to a cost benefit uh, right. ratio where it's not costing you a fortune but it's not yeah. pinging and knocking because that pinging can cause a lot of damage what's happening the fuel air mixes right. exploding while the pistol's still traveling up right. Right. So I, I remember. I don't get. I don't get on it. You know. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't want that to happen. Well, and so, so you I hear didn't. it a lot when you're down on it, but it's really doing it all the time. So okay. it's it's something you need. You might not hear it as much because the engine's not loaded as much. I know on our race cars, we used to go to the airport and buy aviation fuel for them. And right. I don't remember what the octane rating was on it, but it was way up there. And you can buy the aviation gas. It's really not that expensive, and it's probably harder to come by now because everything now basically a, yeah. a jet or a turbo prop or something mm-hmm. but you can probably still go out to the airport and buy it now the problem is trying to store that stuff unless you've got a climate controlled environment to put it in if you buy a 55 gallon drum of gasoline and set it on the concrete with the temperature changes you end up with a whole bunch of water in it right it's going right. to condensate right. inside having to throw it away so you'd have to buy a smaller quantity now alternatively there is also octane boosters that you can buy now didn't have back then but you can buy octane boosters now and add to the fuel that'll boost the octane for you i think I you can tried, get that at any I part tried, house. i tried that they don't i don't didn't work don't work okay. I, no yeah someone bought me 10 gallons of 112 octane yeah that's some pretty cruising the cost yeah that's some pretty powerful little engine you got yeah. there it, the compression ratio and all is probably way up there so, yeah, you're going to have to just play with it until you find out what works on it. Okay. I got one more question. Go ahead. I just bought me a 2010 HHR. Okay. And I'm looking at the temperature on this thing. It usually runs 190, 195. Sometimes the island will get up to like 212, 215. Is that too hot? No, that's probably normal, Joe, because that one is cooled not only by the coolant but by an electric cooling fan. That's right. And that yeah. electric cooling fan probably doesn't even come on to like somewhere 220. around 220. Yeah. yeah. And okay. if you run the air conditioner, you might notice it runs slightly cooler because when you turn the AC on, the condenser fan comes on, which will keep the engine slightly cooler. Where we notice people noticing the temperature going up is if they turn the air conditioner off, then both fans stop until it hits almost 220. But right. that's pretty much normal operation on it and down here i mean you very rarely run without the air conditioning on right. anyway when it's hot so. that's right but i would try with the ac on to see if it cools it down just a bit and yeah. it doesn't hurt to run the ac all the time yeah well like when i'm on the interstate it mm-hmm. runs like 195 well, yeah. yeah that's perfect I see because you got you got 70 mile an hour wind going through your radio right. at that point you don't yeah. even need fans <laughs> it's just right, it's just both the fans off at that uh, time because it's running on on ram air you right. know all right okay thank oh, you okay Joe. Right. thanks man bye-bye 
I-291-6901 is the number. If you want to borrow the automotive hour, we would love to have you. We still have some time to get your questions answered thoroughly. That's right. Got plenty of time. It's a good, good time to call in. We'll go ahead and take our final little old break, get it out of the way, and that way we have the rest of the show just dedicated to your questions. There you go. Oh, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah. I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us calls 291 6901. Yes, sir. Oh, Jerry, I'm sorry. Got, yeah, I've got a. 2001 Jeep Grand Cherokee, mm-hmm. and when I got it, it had slight wreck in the right front end, like mainly just like the headlights. Mm-hmm. And since that time, I've had problems with the headlights. Both of them are on on dim, but when you turn it on high, only the left side, driver's side, comes on. Okay. The one that, that mm-hmm. was on the right side that was hit. Could that probably be a switch? It's not going to be a switch because the switch is going to power both lights equally. That's more likely a ground wire, something that got cut or off, or possibly even the wire and harness or the socket that got damaged. Bad bulb? Yeah, obviously you can have a bad bulb on one side. That's that's the first thing I would say. Yeah, high and low beam are two separate elements. Yeah, Yeah, if you change the bulbs, what you'd have to do is get a voltmeter and just go in and do a little bit of investigation. And first thing you do is check the terminal. If you got power to that terminal to body ground then the next thing is go to headlight ground and see if you got power there if you don't have flow then then you got a bad ground if you do if you don't have voltage to body ground then you don't have voltage that's the wire you're gonna have to trace but since it was hit on that side my suspicion would be probably a wire that's been cut and even if you can't find the exact wire a lot of times what we will do in the shop is we'll just overlay the harness there's we know this wire is cut somewhere between this point and this point. yeah but if it's, so, if it's a half mile of wires between those two points i'm not gonna sit there and trace them all down what i'm gonna do is overlay the harness with a new piece of wire from that point to that point to correct right. the problem which is a lot less expensive okay well appreciate it all right man thank all you right, bye-bye all right bye-bye all right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got George online. Good morning, George. Yeah, good morning, guys. Just had a quick question. My wife drives a twenty ten Honda Pilot, mm-hmm. but we're having some trouble sometimes when you accelerate from say twenty, maybe even thirty miles an hour, and you try to hit the accelerator, it hesitates, it pauses, okay. and then it catches. Hmm. But I don't know. Is there certain things that I need to look into that, well, that 
think it could possibly yeah, be. Yeah, a couple of things you could check. You see, I'm assuming there's no check engine light on, right? Right, no check engine light. That's I would correct. check the airflow meter and make sure it's not a little bit dirty because a dirty airflow meter will do that. What happens is that when the air flows through that meter, it has to pick it up and respond instantly. And what will happen is you get a little bit of dirt on that little corona wire, and it can't respond quite quick enough. So when you tip into it, you're opening the throttle, but the fuel doesn't pick up, so you lean out, so it's going to bog down. That's one of the most common things we see on it that's fairly easy to fix. Now, okay. I mean, there's all kinds of other things. It could be even like a – there may be a flash update to the computer for some of those things. And sometimes the transmission will maybe not downshift from the last gear. You're cruising along. It may be in fourth gear. When you tip into it, it's supposed to downshift, or maybe if you let off, it's supposed to downshift. It may not be downshifting quite fast enough. A lot of times, those things have flash updates available. So you would want to check the technical service bulletin, or have a shop check technical service bulletin for you and see if that if there's a bulletin for the problem. Other than that, I'd probably try to try clean that airflow meter. If it's not anything like that, it's probably going to be something that's over your head. Okay, gotcha. And, right. and is that something y'all can take a look yes, at sir. it if Absolutely. I wanted to and, and, and give me an estimate? Absolutely. I'm kind of, I'm thinking the same thing. Do I want to put a bunch of money mm-hmm. into this vehicle or do I just want to move on to something else? I would so, keep that one as long as I could. Yeah, that's uh, pretty George, good. that's a pretty good vehicle. I really hadn't, in fact, it's probably better than the one you're going to get to replace it. Gotcha. Yeah, it's got about 110,000 yeah, miles. No, you're not that. halfway through the life of it. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, thank you, guys. All right, George. Okay. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. We've got Gary online. Good morning, Gary. Gary, I'm nope, sorry. You man, cut him I, off. You call right back. I'll put you straight back up the top of the list. I got a fat finger those keys, man. <laughs> All right, we got Steve's been patiently holding. Good morning, Steve. Morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. What's your little trick on the Silverado taillight assembly that breaks out from the screws other than buying an old new assembly? The screws broke out of the housing? Yeah, you know, there's only two screws holding the whole right, thing in. Right, right, right. I mean, plastic piece that's on the assembly, it, it cracks and then it, you know, yeah. doesn't hold it in. That's the case. Yeah, yeah, it's a new assembly. You may be able to get like, you know what a J nut is? Nope. A J nut is a nut with a like a J shaped piece of metal on it that can slip down into something and provide threads. Probably won't have enough room to get it in there. But mm-hmm. if you could get something like that in there, you may be able to repair it. Other than that, it's just going to be a new lens for it, new lens assembly. And I don't think those are terribly expensive. I know from GM they probably are, but there's probably some aftermarket ones you can buy for a reasonable price. Most likely, because it's always vibrating every time you hit a bump and all, almost anything you put in there is likely going to just break right back out again. Yeah, it was. I think they're about $140 is what I heard. From GM, I'm sure it is. Yeah. yeah, and you could probably find an aftermarket for 30 bucks. you know. Oh, well, that's good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'll hook one. Okay, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to try to catch as many of these lines as we can. We've got Teddy on the line. Good morning, Teddy. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good I have a maintenance question. Sure. I have 07 GMC pickup truck with 208,000 miles okay. on it. Okay. Good. I at one at 100,000 changed the oil in the rear end and the transmission yes, mm-hmm. and i had it i had the radiator flushed out and everything right my question is do i need to keep that up at a oh, yes, hundred thousand miles Absolutely. you know what i would do teddy if it were my vehicle is i would accelerate that as the vehicle gets older because you know a car with a hundred thousand miles is sort of like a man 60 years old with some uh-huh. good care he can go on and on and on for a ways 
But as he gets older, he needs better care and he's more care. Same thing with your vehicle. Yeah. When you start getting a 200, it's it needs more care than it did when it was 100. I would probably move that up to about 75,000 miles. Next time around, I'd probably move it up to about 60,000 miles. You know, you know what I'm saying? I would get a little bit more because maintenance, I mean, basically at this point, you're, you're riding for free. Right. I mean, everything's paid for. All you got to do is maintain it. And yeah. the only reason to do maintenance is because it's so much cheaper than repairs. But Correct. I would accelerate that maintenance schedule and start doing it a little bit sooner. If you hadn't done it already, I would certainly do it again now. But next time around, I'd probably do it a little bit sooner. Uh, I certainly will, sir. I right. sure don't need it breaking down. No, Not good. at all. Thank you very much. All right, Teddy, where are you calling from? Baton Rouge. Okay. All right, thank well, you. Well, good deal. Thanks for calling, man. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we still got a couple of minutes. We can catch a couple of more phone calls. You know, that's one of those things that a lot of people don't realize is that an older vehicle needs better maintenance and needs better parts than a newer vehicle does. Right. It's tempting when your vehicle gets older to say, well, it's not worth much. I'm going to put a cheap battery in it and I'm going to go with a cheap oil and I'm not going to do the maintenance. And then it dies. Say, well, I'm glad I'm spending money because it died. Yeah. Well, you killed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just like an old man, it just need he can go a long, long ways. He just Just needs needs a little better care, a little more attention. So what I did at a hundred thousand miles the first time around, I would probably do at around eighty thousand the next time around. Then I would probably do it around sixty thousand the next time around, and so on as that. I would also on an older vehicle like that. I would use the very best parts I could find. Yep. I want top end. I want a top end battery, just because the entire cool entire charging system is somewhat compromised. The wires are old. They're sure. brittle. They're not conducting as well as they used to. There's probably some loose ground wires here, there, and yonder. There's no telling how many revolutions the alternators turned. In the alternator is probably a little weaker. The starter's a little weaker. So it needs a better battery. It doesn't sure. need a cheap battery. It needs a better battery than a new car would That's need. Right. Same thing with the coolant. It needs top-line coolant because you're going to have a little bit of corrosion in there. You can't change every single part of the cooling system. So it needs an even better coolant. It needs a more careful monitoring, exact 50-50 mix. Done every three years. Done really, really well professionally, or at least done properly, should I say. AC, Delco, spark plugs on a Chevrolet, motorcraft on a Ford, so on as that, wires, all those kind of things. Because at this point, you're pretty much riding for free. Oh, yeah. The vehicle's paid for. Yeah. All you have to do is prevent problems. That's right. And it's like I tell people all the time, there is only one reason to do maintenance. And that's because it's, it's cheaper, cheaper than, than not repair. doing it. Yeah, that's it's right. cheaper than not doing the maintenance. In other words, a transmission service does not cost $200. A transmission service saves $3,000. Correct. So you're not doing it just because oh well it's sellers do no you're doing it to save the three thousand dollars you're spending a small amount of money to prevent something that costs a whole lot of money and not only that but you can you can watch the fluid in it Mm -hmm. at that point you know every time you service it you can see what's laying in the pan that's right if there's more and more and more material laying in the pan every time you change it then you know hey I'm, I'm, getting close. For, I'm getting close. Yeah, so now you can make the decision, an informed decision. Okay, I'm just going to drive this thing until it drops, and I'm going to throw it away. That's or, one choice. Or, hey, I don't want to be broke down, so I'm going to go ahead and fix transmission right now because it could probably cost a little less. It's going to be real convenient for me, and I'm doing it in my time. That's it. Or you can say, hey, I'm going to go get rid of the car because I'm not going to put any more money into it. Mm-hmm. But 
when you get to that kind of a level now instead of the car pushing you around you're yeah. managing the car exactly and so you're not waiting for things to break down under an emergency pulling the first place you could take you hope they do a good job hope they charge you a reasonable amount of money there's just a much much better way of doing it and exactly. that's by preemptively heading off the problems yep and i see we have squandered another perfectly good hour all right <laughs> <laughs> i want to tell everybody how much i appreciate them listening to the automotive hour like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week and go to your favorite broadcast service and fill out the written review for us that's right that is so important to us because the more reviews we have the more our name is going to come up for us a lot of people just go in they want to hear a show on auto repair so they, they don't in, know about the automotive hour they type in auto repair auto repair or something to that effect the more reviews the more positive reviews you have the higher you're going to come out in that list and most people are not going to read through 50 different lists no they're going to pick the first couple first couple, couple. and they're going to click on those so what the services do is the more clicks you get the more popular your show is the more they move you up so again the it's to the a, top you get yeah it's kind of a spiral thing and that's what we're looking for is getting close to the top of the list that's it i want to be at the top of the list at the top of the list there you go hey preceding was our opinion based on experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend